preach an incredible message, plays an incredible guitar. Hallelujah. He's amazing. So without any further delay, let's put our hands together unto the Lord as Brother Ballinger comes in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's lift up the name of Jesus today. Oh, thank you. Somebody lift up your voice and give God some praise. I'm glad I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul this morning. Just like the Bible said. Anybody glad you got the Holy Ghost? I'm glad that I'm in a Pentecostal church. Has anybody got the Holy Ghost? Somebody help me praise the Lord. Thank God for the truth today. Thank God that I've been baptized in Jesus' name. Thank God for this Holy Ghost experience. Amen. Changed our life. Thank God for the grace of God, the mercy of God. Ooh, I appreciate the Holy Ghost today. God's been so good. Amen. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Oh, let's give God some praise. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. God bless you. You seated. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to sing a quick song as we're looking at the word of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. You know, somebody asked Jesus one time, what was the greatest of all the commandments? And you remember that um, scripture where Jesus answered him and said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. And he said, you shall love him with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all of your strength. They used to have an old Pentecostal song. Some years ago that simply said, hear all Israel, the Lord our God is one. Tell it to your daughter, tell it to your son, tell it to your neighbor, each and every one. Hear all Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hear all Israel, the Lord our God is one.
worship the Lord. chair I, I better hurry but I was sitting in my barber's chair and back down where we come from can y'all believe they still use straight razors oh yeah them old school barber shops getting hard to find he had that straight razor out and he said because he knew I wouldn't raise in no Pentecostal church and he said had that straight razor out you know <laughs> getting ready to shave, shave my neck. And he said, what made you decide to quit doing what you used to do and go down to that Pentecostal church and start doing what you're doing now? He said, "Did were you having a hard time financially? I said, no, sir. We was making money. <laughs> said, Somebody you love die? 
you know, this gospel is not just for the down and out, but you can be sitting on the top of what the world says is the top. And this Holy Ghost is so much better than anything that the world's got. The best that it can give you. His name is Mr. Pope, Harry Pope. I said, Mr. Pope? I said, do you have a Bible? Do you have a Bible? He said, I got a Bible. I want you to open it up to the birthday of the New Testament church. And I want to show you the reason why that I don't want to go down to the barroom no more. That I don't want to sing that wild music no more. I want to show you the reason why. put the straight razor up and we had a Bible study in the barbershop. Got an old song they used to sing back where we come from that said, I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul.
morning we came to have church we came to give God all of the praise and the glory and the honor that is due into his holy name thank God for truth I still believe the truth is what makes men free not signing a church card shaking the preacher's hand and repeating some kind of simple prayer but I believe in that old-fashioned apostolic repentance baptism in Jesus name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost makes a difference in everybody's life no matter where you're from no matter your background who your mom and daddy was or was not brother this is for everybody I said it's for everybody oh let's praise him hallelujah glory to God glory to God oh yes 
Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, I want to read a verse of Scripture. Praise God. I want to read a verse of Scripture today. I'm going to obey what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I've kind of been wrestling with it. And usually if you wrestle with something, a lot of times it could be God. And, and uh, so I want to try to obey what I feel in the Holy Ghost. The book of John chapter 7 and verse number 37. Very familiar reading today. As you're turning, I want to say I'm glad to have my wife and my children with me this morning. Amen. Appreciate my family. We give honor to this church. We give honor to your great pastor, pastor's wife. And I pray and have prayed that the Lord would help me to be a blessing to him while he is out of town to this church. Amen. I appreciate your pastor very, very much. Appreciate his passion. I appreciate his love for God, love for people. And he really, do, he really does believe that you can have revival, evangelism, and holiness at the same time. And uh, it is a privilege to stand in this pulpit this morning. And I pray that God will help me to be a blessing. John chapter 7 and verse 37. We had such a great time last time that we were here on that Tuesday night back in December. We shouted and shouted and shouted. We shouted till the restaurants closed down. <laughs> yes, we did. Praise God. But uh, we were still able to order room service. <laughs> but you know what? I just believe that's the way church ought to be sometimes. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were so, so blessed to be here last time. Powerful prayer meeting, prayer room. And uh, the way that this church loves to worship, loves preaching, and loves to pray and worship in these altars. And it's a tremendous honor. John chapter 7 and verse 37, very familiar reading. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. I want to take my text from the first portion of the 37th verse where the Bible said, In the last day, that great day. I want to preach to you about something that is very hard for flesh to believe and for our finite mind to wrap around. It's not going to be a very uh, deep profound message, but it is something that is hard for us to grasp sometimes, uh, but I believe this, and I believe this is the will of God, and I want to talk to you about the last day, but the greatest day, the last day, but the greatest day. Let's lift our hands and pray. Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for the Spirit of God that we feel. We're thankful for the Holy Ghost. We're thankful for the Word of the Lord. God, we're asking you, Lord, that you'll anoint our ears to hear. God, anoint my little lips of clay. I want to be a blessing, God. We need to hear from heaven, Jesus. We need a word fitly spoken in our day and in our hour. Lord, help us today to have Holy Ghost apostolic revival. Jesus, bless every soul in this place, God. We want every empty vessel to be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name and washed in your precious blood. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. 
God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of the Lord. This was the last day of what is known as the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a time that God's people were commanded. You can find the origin of it in the book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. And they were commanded to cut down tree limbs and tree branches and make themselves huts and booths and live in these huts for seven days and seven nights during this feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. They were to make them uh, tabernacles to live in and every day and every night they were to think back and recollect and remember everything that God had done for them in delivering them from Egypt and taking care of them in the wilderness journey. And so the Lord said, I don't want you to ever forget what I've done for you. I want you to set aside some time that you think about how good I've been to you. I want you to think with me today, church, that every single day of their daily sustenance and provision in their wilderness journey, it happened because of something no less than a miracle. Every day for their daily survival, it took a miracle for them just to survive. And they were to never forget this. They were to always think about this, and especially during this sacred time. Seven days and seven nights, everyone in the children of Israel's camp were to dwell in these booths and think about what God had done for them. And on the eighth day, there was what is called a solemn assembly. And so during this time, this was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is the setting of the text that we read this morning in John chapter number 7. On the Feast of Tabernacles, during this time, even though everyone was inside of those huts and booths and thinking about what God had done for them, it did not exempt the high priest from performing his daily ritualistic duties at the temple. Every day in the morning, he got up, as it were, as it was, as custom was, to go and take a sacrifice and bring it uh, to the temple. And they were to uh, go as... The custom is, and most of you know, they were to stop by the brazen altar and, and, and put that, that sacrifice upon the altar, then leave that altar and go to the laver of water, wash in the laver of water and go into the holy place. And then there was uh, the table of shoe bread and the incense altar. And so every day, morning and evening, sacrifice had to still be performed. And so on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, it was something very special that happened that did not happen any other time during this feast. And this is the setting of where Jesus stood and cried. And so after performing his morning ritualistic duty down at the temple, the high priest would leave the house of God and walk outside of those gates and carrying with him. He had a large, gigantic golden vessel uh, sitting upon his shoulder. The vessel was an empty vessel. And he would go and make his way down to the pool of Siloam. Following him was a long procession of people in, uh, of the children of Israel. And they followed the high priest down to the pool of Siloam. Uh, but they didn't just walk behind him. As a matter of fact, histori his history, history tells us and historians of the Bible tells us that uh, while the high priest went to the pool of Siloam, he had, uh, they had with them their scrolls, their Torahs, and their stringed instruments, and their high-sounding cymbals, and they sang psalms, and they quoted scriptures, and they danced, and they praised God, and they worshiped the Lord uh, while they made their way down to the pool of Siloam. When he got there, he took that golden vessel up off of his shoulder, dipped it down into that water, and by the help of another man, put it back up on his shoulder, turned right around and headed back to the house of God. And so 
all of those people turned right around with him. And they worshiped God. And they praised God. And they sang their psalms. And they quoted their scriptures. And they plucked their stringed instruments. And they beat their high-sounding cymbals. And they had church, if you will. And when they got to the temple, the first thing that the high priest did, as he always done uh, at the temple, he stopped by that brazen altar. Amen. With the help of another man, took that golden vessel full of water. Amen. Got it up off of his shoulders and he poured that water out on the western side of the altar. While at the same time there was another priest standing on the eastern side of the altar with a drink offering of wine. And so simultaneously there was water poured out on the western side and a drink offering of wine poured out on the eastern side. And once that water was poured out and once that wine was poured out, you thought they had praised God on the way to the pool of Siloam. You thought that they had had church on their way back but I want to tell you the moment that that water and that wine touched the ground brother the children of Israel began to erupt in a large praise and worship service that was that was unlike anything else in that week during that feast of tabernacles and they kicked up dust and they sang and they worshiped God and they praised the Lord and they and they just got rid of all kind of uh, all kind of, of what they looked like what they felt like it was a symbolic act it was a symbolic ritual it was a foretelling if you will of what the fulfillment was of when the prophet Isaiah said with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation it was all a symbol it was all a ritual it was all just a commotion it was something they did every year amen but they praised God and they worshiped God you know what I just got to thinking about church amen if the children of Israel could do that off of some kind of ritual and some kind of routine and something that was going to happen every year on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Amen. How much more of us that have been washed by the precious blood of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost should we ought to praise God and pull out all the stops and have church? Brother, I'm going to tell you that's when Jesus stood and cried. It was the last day But the Bible said it was the great day of the feast. It was a great day because it was a a momentous occasion when uh, this, this feast of tabernacles was going to be fulfilled. But it was just a ritual. The Bible said that this was the last day of the feast. Four versions of the scripture call it the greatest day. Three versions of the scripture call it the most important day. And one version of the Bible called it the climax. Well, the Bible said in the last day, it reads the greatest day, the most important day, and the climax. It is a biblical fact this morning that God saves the best for last. First it was the law, then it was grace. What started in the flesh is going to end in the spirit. The first Adam was earthy, but the last Adam was the Lord from heaven. It started as water. Amen. But when Jesus got finished with it, brother, it was wine. The governor of the feast said that the first wine was the worst, but the last wine was the best. It is a biblical fact that God saves the best for last. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the Bible said it was the last day of the feast. But, brother, this is the last day on our world. This is the closing moments of time for our generation. And if God saves the best for last, then it just happens to be the will of God to make the last days the greatest days. Hallelujah. It ain't too many people in this building today that would disagree with me and think that time's not running out. Brother, time.
time's running out. Most everybody in here believes that, that time can't last too much longer. I don't know how long it's going to be. Amen. But you can pick up your newspaper. You can turn on your radio. And all the signs of the times are being fulfilled all around us. And the, and the temptation is. And the lie of the devil is. With as bad as everything gets. How in the world can God do a work in a day and hour that is unlike any other that our world has ever seen? Brother, I've come to stand in defiance of the spirit of hell and let you know, amen, that there is going to be a revival. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be a red hot, genuine power from heaven. Oh, help me, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hey, you know, it's the last day. You're seeing things you ain't never seen before. I better not be too much of myself while the pastor's out of town. Amen. But we're seeing things we ain't never seen before, brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm telling you, and I don't want to get used to everything. I don't want to get used to everything. Amen. I don't want to let the, uh, the trend of the world fail to, to shock my spirit. I don't want to get so used to it. Uh, but it is the last days. And uh, the temptation is for us to look at everything that is bad going on and think that God, you know, it's not really that God's got the problem. Don't, don't any of us believe? Most of us don't believe that. Most of us don't believe that God's got a problem with working miracles. Just about everybody in here believes God can do anything. But what our temptation is, is to look at the downward spiral and trend of society. And, and, and we don't believe God's got a shortage of power. But we sometimes, the devil likes to put it in our spirit. That because the society and the trend of our world and the trend of the time, uh, that, you know, there would be people that would not uh, receive it. There would be people that would not want it. There would be people that would not desire it. But I want to tell you, this church and this group of people would not be sitting where you're sitting at today if there wasn't somebody that still wanted it, if there wasn't somebody that still believed it, if there wasn't somebody that said, God, I want to go after it. I just want to tell you it's the will of God to make the last days, the greatest days, because it is a biblical fact that God saves the best for last. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say one quick thing, and then I'll move on. I don't want to get into too much trouble. But, you know, uh, it's a crazy, crazy world. I ain't, you know, uh, I'm not too, too, too old. I'm 34, but I've lived a lot of life in 34 years. I've been in the church a little over 10 years now. And uh, came out of the world. Didn't know anything about Pentecost. Had no idea what the Holy Ghost was all about. And, brother, when I was out there in the world... Singing on them big old stages and in front of uh, television cameras and all of that stuff, you know. You've seen a lot of crazy stuff. We traveled all over. Traveled all over. It's hard to believe that I've been anywhere outside of the, uh, of the deep south. Most folks can't hardly believe that I've been out of the country. But I've been all over this place. And, uh, and, and seen things I ain't never seen before in my life. But you know, in the last few years, there's been more of an attack on people of faith and people of righteousness, and people that believe that God still has the power to do anything than ever before in our world. But we've come to stand against that, that demonic spirit. Oh, yeah. Praise God. Praise God, somebody. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You know, what's the answer? What's the answer? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the answer is not, and that's dead church. <laughs> Most of you know that. There ain't no way that we can make the last day the greatest day having dead church. Worried about who's here and who's not here. I told my wife when we were here on that Tuesday night back in December, amen, we come out of that prayer room. And I know it was only one service, but I said, you know what? This church believes in prayer. Amen. You know what? You can't have miracles with some kind of dry, dead, formalistic, ritualistic patty cake prayer meeting where there ain't no power. Brother, we got to get down to business and let God know we're serious and let the devil know that we mean business as well. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. You know what? I want my babies to hear their daddy praying. Oh, yeah, I want my little darling, my daughters to hear their daddy open up his mouth and say, God, I need you. God, I got to have you. You know what else I want my babies to see? I want them to see daddy preaching with the preacher. Brother, my pastor taught me it didn't matter if somebody's younger than you in the pulpit, more experienced than you are in the pulpit. He said, you better not ever let me see you sitting down on the preacher not helping him. The only way to make the last day the greatest day. Woo. We got to let our babies see us on the edge of our seat. Woo. Praise God. I love music. I'm a musician. But I'm telling you, you know what got me out of the world? I haven't even told my testimony. What got me out of the world? It was an old tape. 1968. Saints of the First Pentecostal Church. Batesville, Mississippi, and they were singing and testifying. I never heard nobody sing like that. I never heard anybody testify like that. Amen. And God reached forward in time 40 plus years and got a hold of this young man. And I heard preaching on that tape that I had never heard before in all of my life. And you know what? I've got a responsibility to my children to let them see Daddy loving the preaching, brother. Woo! Ain't nothing like preaching. And sometimes you will receive a word from God in the least likely of places from the least likely of people. Praise God. I'm not going to preach long today. The last day but the greatest day. The climax. The most important day. Oh, yes, the most important day. The church was started right. Amen. But we got to finish it right. That's why it's the most important day. And, you know, what got me into Pentecost, this man, his name was Harvey, old brother Harvey. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but something he told me about the way they were raised and, and, and that Pentecostal church. I never heard anything like this. You know, I was from North Carolina. They call that the Bible Belt. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but he was from Mississippi and, and, and in North Carolina. They didn't have a whole lot of Pentecostal churches where I was from. And even though I traveled all over the world, been in a lot of places, amen, we stayed away from Pentecostal churches. But he told me, he said, you know, he told me a story. He said uh, something happened to their church, said that the pastor 
tried to call an evangelist. He said, I want to start revival. I want to start revival. And uh, he said, I can't get an evangelist to come and preach a revival. So on a Sunday night, he got up and he said, church, we're starting revival tomorrow night. It's back in the 80s, 1988. And, uh, and so Monday night, they started revival. And that old preacher preached his own revival. And they went seven nights a week for eight weeks. <laughs> Woo! Amen. Praise God. He was a fired up pastor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. Seven nights a week for eight weeks. Now, now, the man that told me about truth told me about this. I never heard of any kind of church like that. He said, them old men, even though they worked hard all day long, he said it wasn't nothing to see 75-year-old, 80-year-old men run the backs of the church pew. You know, we've seen and did a lot of crazy things on the worldly stages. But, uh, man, I'm telling you. Anyways, said, you know, said in this revival, he said, you know, pastor got the saints of God to stand up and testify. And uh, it was not uncommon for folks to stand up and testify and, and get happy while they were testifying. He said it wasn't uncommon for somebody to stand up and say, hey, I got something to say for the Lord. They get to testifying, brother, and they liable to start shouting before they get through. Somebody would take off running the lap around the aisle of the church. Somebody else may go to crying and shouting. And so during this, uh, this, it was a midweek service during this revival. And, and, and there was a testimony service that's going on. And this man come walking in. This is a true story. I verified this with several people in that town. And that man comes walking in and sits down on the back row. Walked in during testimony service. Old brother Harvey told me that, you know, they would sing for an hour, testify for an hour, preach or preach an hour, beg people to come to the altar about 15 minutes after he was done preaching the message. And then he said they'd pray an hour. He said that's just the way it was. So I didn't know anything else about Pentecost except what he told me. <laughs> and so he said during testimony service, this man walks in. He was known as what they call the town drunk. Everybody called him. He said the mayor of the town called him the town drunk. He walks in and sits down the back row. Somebody was testifying. Amen. And old brother Harvey told me, he said, when them saints would get to testifying, they'd have to hold the edge of the pew. Because, <laughs> you know, they had to have something to grab a hold to or they may just take off, you know. And so he said, old brother stood up testifying. This town drunk walks in, sits on the back row. Power of God got to moving. The brother testified. Hey, you know what? We need to start. And, and y'all, y'all have already got this. But, you know, for me and my family, you know what? We need to have church where we ain't so worried about our composure that we can just let the Holy Ghost have his way. You know, I want my babies to see their daddy. I don't have no pride and arrogance when it comes to worshiping God. And if I stand up to testify, brother, I want there to be enough power in my spirit and in my soul that not only will move me, but it'll move everybody else. Hey, you know what we need? The only way to make the last day the greatest day is we got to go back and get 
get a hold of the hand of that old time religion and bring it to this hour in this generation in this day and hour we need the power of God again in every single Pentecostal church pew oh let's lift up our hands and worship the Lord oh let's worship the Lord Oh, let's praise the name of Jesus. Woo. You know, praise God, praise God. Praise God. You know, he told me about that old church. Said, you know, they didn't call us Holy Rollers for nothing. I seen a picture of the preacher in the first church building they had. It was a center block building. Preacher had him on a starched, pressed, white shirt, white sport coat, black tie, shiny shoes. And I'm looking at this picture. And I'm looking. Looked on the floor. And there wasn't no floor there. It was dirt. <laughs> Center block building. Had on Sunday best. Shoes shine. And him standing on a dirt floor. And they didn't call them holy rollers for nothing. Can you imagine all the time that we spend getting it all right? Woo! And not to get what we came for. Just because of what somebody may think about the way we worship. Boy, this. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, he said, said that old town drunk sitting back there in the back, old brother testifying. Now, can you imagine in 2019, somebody getting up, saying something for the Lord, and, and, and they just lose their composure while they're testifying. And I know y'all don't find it hard to imagine. I seen the way y'all had church last time we was here. And y'all got in that circle and passed the tamarines out. Oh, brother, I'm going to tell you, I still believe in that. <laughs> Amen. And so, so town drunk sitting back there. And, and this brother got up to testify. And, and, and he got excited. Somebody took off running. And the brother started dancing. He was holding on to to the side of the, the church pew and dancing at the same time. Just going after it. And town drunk sat back there and he just gripped the hold of the front of the pew and or the pew in front of him and just squeezed it tight. Said this man that is called the town drunk. I mean that was his name. You never seen him sober. Got up. While testimony was still going and people was running the aisles and he got up. He had never been to a Pentecostal church. Town drunk got up, walked right down the aisle, walked right up to the front, got down on his knees, lifted up his hands, wept and crayed, cried and prayed his way to Calvary. Amen. God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He began to speak in other tongues. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hey, the only way to make the last day the greatest day, amen, we got to pull out all the stops and have old-fashioned, holy ghost, apostolic, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, sin-killing, holy ghost, revival, church. Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You know what happened? Those men went up there to pray for the town drunk. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. They stood around and waited for him to stop talking in tongues. Oh, yeah. Praise God. And he wouldn't stop talking in tongues. And so, back in those days, old brother Harvey and different ones told me in that town, Pentecostal folks, we got talked about, ridiculed, criticized. Wasn't because of our lifestyle. It wasn't because of our holiness standard. Because every church in town had some, some sort of a, of a standard of living. But it was the way we worshiped. It was the way we talked in tongues. It was because we believed in one God and baptized in Jesus' name. That's why the people in that town were telling folks in that little old church that started with nothing. And before it was over with, there was running over 300 people in a little Mississippi Delta town. Amen. Folks didn't have no money. But God made a way and God gave them a miracle where the doubters and the scoffers and the carnal folks and the unbelievers said it could not happen. You know what God did? God opened the windows of heaven and he showed him it can happen. Praise God. Woo. They said, oh, that tongue-talking people in that town said, that tongue-talking is not real. Some folks said it was of the devil. Can you believe that? You know, we wasn't raised going to church very much. I went to like three or four times. My daddy took me to a Baptist church. I'd never, I didn't, but I wasn't going to say anything against speaking in tongues. But, you know, people, they get brazen and, and they said, oh, ain't nothing to what those Pentecostals have. So they're waiting. And all of that talk had been going in that town since day one of the formation of that church. And so they're waiting for the town drunk to stop speaking in tongues. And you know what? <laughs> Somebody got a bright idea. <laughs> they got him up off of that floor. Put him in a car, roll the window down, stuck his head out the window. <laughs> hey, I think we ought not be ashamed. We need to tell everybody. Take it to the street. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbor. Tell your family. We ought not be ashamed that we still believe in Holy Ghost revival, apostolic power. That's why I sang that song. It may be an old song, brother, but I still believe we got the Holy Ghost, just like the Bible said. <laughs> Stuck his head out the window and drove real slow down the town square. They had a square. I don't, I don't, I don't know if y'all have them, but they, have a, they had a square. The courthouse was in the middle of the square. All of the places of business. People walking up and down the street. 
And here is this man. Now, you got to, now they really had to been thinking in Pentecost people had lost their mind. If this man that's got his head stuck out the window and everybody knows who he is and that he's a town drunk and they said he ain't good for nothing. And yet the Pentecostal people got him in a car with his head stuck out the window speaking in tongues. We wouldn't do nothing like that. But you know what? God's got a way. Amen. It may not be aligned with our thinking. It may not. We may not understand it, brother. But when the Spirit says it, you got to obey it. When God tells you to do something, you can't think your way out of it. You just say yes to the Lord and let God move in your life. Oh, yeah, you know what that town drunk did when they finally got him home? He went inside, got his wife, got his children, and his daughters got the Holy Ghost. His wife got the Holy Ghost. They lived for God, every single one of them, until the day they died. Amen. I just want to tell you, the way to make the last day the greatest day is we got to pull out all the stops and tell everybody about this old-time religion, Holy Ghost power. We need to do away with dead church, formalistic church, ritualistic church. If you're here and you're a visitor, or you may be a guest, or this may be new to you, I want to tell you that this is where living is. This is where the joy is. This is where the peace is. This is where the power, the power is at. I got to tell this last part, and then I'm going to be done. The last day, but the greatest day. You say, oh, preacher, you told something that happened 50 years ago. Well, praise God. But we still need them same things happening right now. Most of you believe that. Woo. Did you know? Oh, yeah. Let me. I, I, I got to reverse back, but, but let me fast forward, and then I'll go back. But, you know, just two weeks ago, two weeks ago, Dear saint of God in this church, we preach revivals. That's actually the church where my five-year-old daughter got the Holy Ghost in revival. There's a dear saint of God in that church, raised her children in the truth. I don't know how many daughters she had, three or four, and had a son. Raised them in the truth, loving God, loving holiness, loving righteousness, loving souls, and, and you know, and while we were in revival, uh, they, she got, now this was a year ago, we were in revival there. She got a diagnosis, and she had cancer, and uh, it looked bad. It looked bleak, and, and so, you know, they prayed like, like we pray and believe God. Pray and believe God. And, and so a uh, year went by, not even quite a year. Next month will be a whole year. Two weeks ago, you know, the pastor called me and said, I, need, I want you to pray for this dear sister in my church because she's got one more appointment, and it don't look good, and they're not expecting a good report. Now, the doctors have been keeping track of everything. They keep this stuff monitored, brother. And, and, and so when they say they're not expecting a good report, it's because all of the signs are pointing in, in that direction. and so. You know, he said, pray, pray. It don't look good. Pray for strength. 
Pray for her stability. Pray that she'll be able to take it. Pray that she'll be able to handle it. Amen. But while you're praying for all that, let's still pray and believe God for a miracle. Praise God. Amen. He called me two weeks ago. Amen. And said, you know what they did? Amen. They opened that report in front of her. And they said, ma'am, we don't know what to tell you, but you're cancer free. We don't know how to explain it. Amen. You know what she did? She looked at them and said, my God did that. His name is Jesus. To make the last day the greatest day, we still need miracle signs and wonders. I said we still need miracles, signs, and wonders. We still need miracle signs and wonders. I tell you, you know, Brother Harvey told me, I'm going back to this story, and then I'm going to be done. And I'm just bearing my heart. I really prayed about this. Prayed about this. I really wanted to do something else, but. You know, told me, Brother Harvey told me, said, the church that I grew up in, he said, you know, that folks talked about him, talked about him, preacher get up and preach, and uh, folks in the community get wind of what he was preaching, and uh, it wasn't no secret, wasn't no secret about that apostolic church. Everybody knew about that church. They couldn't, they couldn't stop talking about it. They, didn't, they could not understand how that they could grow by leaps and bounds. And the first church of the refrigerator was drying up. They was losing people. But those Pentecostal folks and that Pentecostal preacher that preached it so strong and so straight and people still coming in, they just could not wrap their minds around it. You know what? I still believe in order to make the last day the greatest day, we need to have unfettered Holy Ghost preaching. Hey, when your pastor gets up and opens up the Word of God, brother, you need to let him preach. Sister, you need to let him preach. Don't tie his hands. Don't put a muzzle on his mouth. Let him say what God told him to say. We're not going to let the modern day trend of the time, uh, amen, a Muslim, the preacher's mouth, be in our churches, be in our heart. Be, come on, somebody. They talked about him and talked about him, but you know what? There was a governor. <laughs> there was a governor. There was a governor. Governor in that state. Said, he said, you know, if you're from that town, well, people in that state, they hated when he said this too. They said, if you're from that town, he said, you're from the Pentecostal city. That's what the governor said. If you're from that town, you're from the Pentecostal city. Why did he say that? I'll tell you why. Because it didn't matter your experience, level, 
But if you were to go and apply for a job and all you wrote down on your application was that you were a member in good standing of such and such and such a church, you was guaranteed a job because that church had so much influence in that town and that city. Even though the devil was lying, even though, amen, carnal people were talking, amen, there was enough power, the Holy Ghost anointing in that church to make an influence out in the community, out in that city. And even the governor stood up everywhere. And somebody mentioned the town's name. He said that. That's the Pentecostal city. And I just believe that it can happen right here. I just believe that it can happen with us. Amen. I just believe it can happen right now. Amen. Somebody's got to catch hold of it. Somebody's got to believe it. you got to kick the doubt of the negativity and the pessimism out of your heart. Amen. And open up your mind and let God Let God put something in you that the world can't take away. So, and while I'm working to the end, so, you know, they said we need to start a daughter work. We need to start a daughter work. So, you know what they did? Now, this is 50 years ago. They started daughter works when there wasn't even a such thing as a daughter work. Nobody even heard of that. Said, we're going to go take this man... They used to be the town drunk. They got called to preach. And we're going to go send him 20 miles up the road. And he's going to start a church. Woo! So they went up there. Got the money together. Got the money. Can you believe it? They got the money together. They got the money. We're talking about folks that didn't have any money. It don't matter where you're at. It don't matter what you got. All that matters is if you got Jesus. That's all that really matters. I'm telling you, I know that's, you know, it's so simple, but it is still one of those things that we find it hard to realize. And so although, you know, we, we make money today, thank God for it. But, you know, back in them days, those Pentecostal people, you know, they were able to get jobs, but a lot of them came from these farms. And anyways, went up there, talked to the city council, town called Cenotopia, 20 miles away, and walked up there to meet with the city council. You know what they told them? They said, we don't want no holiness church in this town. We're not going to approve you to buy anything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Can you believe they said that? Man. And uh, now this is the Bible Belt they said that. So, you know what? (laughs) Those city council folks, they didn't know the type of strings that those Pentecostal folks had to pull. (laughs) And so they got on the phone, and they called the governor. Oh, they called the governor. Called the governor. Hey, they said, said, you know, we want to build a church in this town. We done found the parcel of land. And those city council folks said that they're not going to approve us to put no church in this little town. And the uh, governor said, okay, I want you to call them, and I want you to set up a meeting with every member of the city council. 
And I want them to meet you at that parcel of ground. At a certain date and a certain time. You call me back when it's set up. So they, the city council said, okay, we'll go out there, but we're just telling you, we're, it's, we're not going to approve this. So that Pentecostal preacher and that man that used to be the town drunk who's, who was now a Pentecostal preacher got in a helicopter with the governor. I know some of y'all find this hard to believe. This is a true story. <laughs> got in a helicopter with the governor. They're going to meet the city council, all those high society folks. Oh, Lord, don't get me started. Woo. They're sitting in their fine cars just waiting for them little old Pentecostal folks. They don't have any idea. And all of a sudden they look up and here's this helicopter. <laughs> and the helicopter lands down on the ground and it's the governor's helicopter. He gets out. And the city council folks, <laughs> they didn't know what to think. And, and, and the preacher, the pastor, and the other preacher that used to be the town drunk walked up to the city council folks with the governor. And the governor looked at those, this is a true story, said, hey, if they want to put a church in this city, you need to approve whatever that needs to be approved, and you need to let it happen. Hey, I want to tell somebody today, when you're fighting against God, you're fighting against something bigger than you are. God's got a thousand ways from Sunday, amen, for his will to be performed, for his will to be accomplished. I don't know what you need in your life. I don't know what you came here struggling with, amen, but I'm telling you right now, amen, there is a God that is still powerful, amen, he can do anything in your life that you need him to do. Oh, let's worship God. Musicians, come on, let's worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. You know what happened? Amen. They built a church in that city. Amen. Right in the devil's face. They built a church in that city in the devil. Hey, I just want to tell somebody, somebody that's going through something right now, and you've been facing opposition, I really do believe that one of the scriptures that we read and bypass sometimes is a scripture that God would like to fulfill in this last day that we're living in. And that is that scripture where Jesus said, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Jesus said, He shall have whatsoever he saith. tell somebody that's going through something right now and the devil's been lying to you and putting a mountain in your face and you don't know how to get around it you don't know how to get over it I'm just telling you right now that one one part of making the last day the greatest day amen is that you're not going to have to worry about climbing a mountain how you going to go around it amen God's going to take that mountain and he's going to remove it and you're going to walk right through it like there wasn't anything there amen somebody lift your hands and believe it somebody lift your hands and talk in tongues Somebody lift your hands and worship the Lord. Oh, let's worship the Lord. Yeah. Come on. In the name 